0: There is a longing within all of us for freedom, to get out in the open, away from the noise and fears and burdens that hold us captive, to breathe deeply and hear clearly, and to know that we are alive, created in the image of God. Our Creator God wants to meet with us, to bring us into greater freedom, to bring us to places where we can be still and know that He is God. As with all things worthwhile, there is a practice and a rhythm to this meeting. Transformation takes time, it takes effort, is work, but the most enjoyable type of work. The practices of our spiritual life anchor us and carry us forward. They center us as we navigate the storms of life. When we journey into the great expanse of God's love for us, we are transformed by the rhythms of Oh, his grace.
1: Well, good morning, C4. We've been enjoying this summer series, haven't we, on spiritual practices. And I know that on Wednesday night, we had a great turnout to our first week where we're doing soul keeping. And we invite anyone to come on Wednesday night to continue the journey with us. Last week John Pastor John started talking to you about this, the spiritual practice of prayer, and today i 'm going to continue teaching you on prayer. Pastor John taught us about real, the lord 's prayer and really the inward and upward focus of prayer and Today, I want to teach you and share with you some of my journey and my learning in the area of praying outward or intercessory prayer. You know, yesterday I was uh, out in the sunshine and I was with some friends at their their beautiful lake house and we went ATVing. And uh, I was all excited and and here I am on my ATV with my helmet on looking like I know what I'm doing, you know? Well, uh, a little ways down the road, uh, this is kind of what happened not sure but the machine conked out. I was the driver, I don't know, it started making noises and there we were way down the trail. We had gone quite a ways and I'm thinking, how are we going to get this ATV back to their uh, to their lake house? But of course, there was a solution. We connected that broken ATV to one that was working, strapped it on, and there we hauled that thing all the way back to their lake house. You know that intercessory prayer is a little like strapping yourself, connecting yourself to someone else in need, and you take them for help. That's what it's like to intercess for people. You strap onto them, you connect them, and you take them to the one and only place that they can find help, and that's to the throne room, of our King. You know, when we move from petition, which is actually a focus on our own needs, which is appropriate, as John taught us last week, we're told to ask for our own needs. We move to a place of intercession, and intercession is a focus on others' needs. We're shifting, actually, our center of gravity, says Richard Foster, from our own needs to the needs and concerns of others. Listen to this. Intercessory prayer is selfless prayer, even self-giving prayer. Intercession is a way of loving others. Intercession is a way of loving others. You see, every week we're telling you about these spiritual practices, and every week, what do we say is the motivation behind every spiritual practice? It's love, right? It's love, You see, the motivation to practice intercessory prayer is truly that of love and also Jesus, he is our model. He sets the example. You see, Jesus is our priest. He is told, in Hebrews we're told, that he is our mediator, that he actually intercedes for us. Romans 8.34 says, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and what is he doing? He is also interceding for us. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always um, lives to intercede for them. You see, as a priestly ministry, we are called priests. We are to be like Jesus in our priestly ministry and our priestly ministry is given to all believers and all believers, all priests are appointed and anointed by God and we have the privilege of going into the throne room of the most high God on behalf of ourselves and others. You see, this is not an option. It's not just for those prayer people. Those people with the gift of intercession. This is an appointment and this is a calling on every one of us who say we follow Christ. You see, it's actually our sacred obligation. It's a privilege. All who take on the yoke of Christ, remember our theme verse? Matthew 11, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. One aspect of Jesus' yoke is to pray for others. An aspect of Jesus' yoke is actually to intercede for others, The only way that we can intercede for others is because of Jesus. You see, he goes to the Father on our behalf. He is interceding for us. Approaching God on our own would be sort of like ants talking to humans. Impossible. We need an interpreter. We need an intercessor in order for us to talk to God. We need a go-between, and Jesus is our go-between. He is our intercessor. He is the one who has actually opened up the door to the heavenly throne room. He opened up the door and he actually welcomes us in. By his permission, we get to go into the throne room. He not only allows us access into the heavens, but he clarifies and cleanses our often feeble and misguided prayers, and he actually makes them acceptable to God. So you have to picture Jesus in heaven. He's opened the door to you to enter the throne room, and he's actually speaking on your behalf to the Father as you tell Jesus what you need. You see, motivated by love, we intercede. We take it to the top. We take the burden of others, we strap them on ourselves, and we intercede on their behalf. There's a great story in Isaiah 37. The Israelites were being threatened by the uh, the King of Assyria, the Assyrian army was nothing to be taken lightly. They were destroying absolutely every nation that they they came to. they were on their way to israel they 'd sent a letter to King Hezekiah and they said, "We are coming we are going to destroy you get ready your people you might as well. don 't even fight because it 's pretty clear we 've destroyed everyone in our path. listen to what King Hezekiah does chapter thirty seven verse fourteen he took this letter this threat from the enemy. And what does he do? He walks right into the temple. He enters, in a sense, the throne room, and he spreads it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed this prayer. O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, you are enthroned between the mighty cherubim. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth Bend down, O Lord, and listen. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to their words and their defiance against you, the living God. You see, you will intercede. You will walk into the throne room. You will lay out your concerns on behalf of your people, the people that you love in your life, when you realize that the privilege that you have direct access That you can take whatever the enemy is throwing at you, you can march into the heavenlies, and you can lay it before your king. And you know what happens when you do that? You actually get a right view of God. You see, Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, enthroned, God of all the kingdoms of the earth, creator of everything, he asked God to take notice of what the enemy was doing. God, he says, essentially, this is your problem. They're mocking you. This is not my problem to fix. This is not my problem to solve. I am powerless without you. We are powerless without you. What are you going to do about it, God? Do you see the boldness that the Lord gives us to come to say the enemy is mocking you? The enemy is saying he's going to destroy my family. The enemy is defeating me in my relationships, in my marriage, in my work. And Jesus says, come on in. Lay it out before me. Because I am the living God. And this is what Hezekiah goes on to say. It is true, Lord. You know it's true. That the kings of Assyria, they have destroyed all these nations, just in case God wasn't paying attention. And they have thrown the gods of these nations into the fire and burned them. But of course the Assyrians could destroy them. Listen, they were not gods at all, only idols of wood and stone shaped by human hands. Now, O Lord, our God, rescue us From his power, then all the kingdom of the earth will know that you alone, O Lord, are God. Who is your God? For your name's sake, do you hear the the, uh, power in this prayer? Do you hear the way that Hezekiah has approached the living God? For your name's sake, rescue us. Have you ever talked to God like that? Have you ever asked him to protect his own name? Do you know that he's actually worthy of fighting for you, that he longs for you to come and call out to him like this? Do you believe that he will? Who is your God? Do you worship a God of wood and stone, Are you worshiping a God of this world, or do you understand that when you enter into the throne rooms that you are are speaking to the Almighty, the Lord of Heaven's armies? You see, the enemy wants to immobilize us in prayer. He does not want us to be bold. He does not want us to enter into the throne room. He does not want to call upon God in this way. He does not want you to understand how powerful your God is. He wants you to accept situations in your life as normal. He wants you to think there is no hope for your family, no hope for your marriage, no hope for your job, no hope for your ministry, no hope for this church. He doesn't want you to think that it is possible at all that all of Durham, that Durham region would turn to Jesus, that there would be a revival. The enemy does not want you to believe that. He does not want you to go into the throne room of God and to plead and beckon on the powers of God to say, God, you have said this is what you're going to do. We're laying it out before you. We are calling on your name. Show yourself. You see, here is a prayer that God always answers. You ready? You might want to write this down. He always answers this prayer. For your name's sake. When you pray a prayer and you pray for your name's sake, for your glory, God Show off your godness. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. In my life, in my family, in my work, in my church, in this region. Lordship is a prayer that the, that the God, our Lord, loves to answer. He loves to have, see lordship in your family. For your name's sake, to bring glory to God's name, to make it all about Him, to stop step back and stop making all your prayer life about yourself. The way, the timing. Oh well, God, I got it figured out. If you just do it in this timing, you know, if you just do it this way, I, I could make a few suggestions, God, as to you know how would like. Not about you. You go in and say, I surrender all of my ideas, my ways of getting in the way. And I say to you, Lord, I will surrender my fear, my worry, my need to control, my fixing, my enabling, even my passivity. Ask God to show off. Ask God to bring glory to his name. He loves to accomplish it. You see, our region will not turn to Christ because of any efforts of C4. Our region will turn to Christ When God's name gets the glory, when he gets all the credit, it has to be about him. You see, revival happens when believers submit and surrender out of love. They intercede, they hook on, and they take those who are lost and broken and hurting and can't call out for themselves, and they plead on their behalf. God loves to accomplish his will. He's just waiting for you to ask. Are you ready to surrender whatever it is you're holding on to? Are you ready to lay it down? Maybe it's your own reputation. Maybe it's your idea of timing. And say whatever you want, God, for your name's sake. You will intercede for others when you actually come to grips with how powerful your prayers are. I have to confess to you, I had a really stinky prayer life. I was passive in my prayer life. I would make grocery lists in my prayer life. I was distracted. I would fall asleep. Uh, Anybody? Okay, so I'm not the only one. Good, all right. At times, I just had really a stinky prayer life. And I really asked the Lord to help me with my prayer life. And I was kind of at the point where, like, well, you know, I just don't have the gift of intercession. Like, there's people who pray, and they're the praying people. And, like, I have other things that I do for God. I mean, that's a lie, by the way. That is a lie. So I just really had to come to grips with how pathetic my prayer life was. And I, I heard this illustration. I share it with you. You see, there's two sides of a coin. And this is where I had to really have a renewal in my thinking and understanding about prayer and about God. So maybe this is you. See, one side of the coin, and I see, I'm a good Baptist girl. I was raised in a very strong church. I've been taught well. I've been taught very strongly about the sovereignty of God. And by the way, we teach on the sovereignty of God, too. It's a good thing. When we say God is sovereign, we are saying he's all-powerful, that God... Um, essentially he 's in full control, that he 's going to do whatever he 's planned to do. Um, that is a good thing that we have a God who is sovereign, that sees all, that is in control of all. And that was my focus. You see, I understood that, so here 's my prayer life. Okay, God, so uh, you 're sovereign and you 're in control, and well, you kind of know what 's going to happen anyway, but i 'm going to pray, but but actually you already you got this figured out, I guess, eh yeah so i 'll pray anyway. But, but I know that you already see what's going to happen, what you planned it out already. So, yeah, I guess I'll pray, but, but you're really in control of this. So I, I get to the place where I don't even know why I was praying. Do you know what I mean? I was just like, God is sovereign and in control. I, I don't know. Like, I'm not that, maybe, maybe God doesn't need me to pray. Well, you see, does a sovereign God need anything? Really, does a sovereign God need anything? Well, I guess the answer would be no. Like, how could a sovereign God need anything? Like, he's fully in control and in charge, and he's got it covered, right? He knows what's going to happen anyway. But here's the thing about the amazing God that we worship. There's another side of the coin. See, the other side of the coin is that this all-powerful, all-sovereign, all-knowing God chooses... To limit himself on this earth, he chooses to actually work through humans like you and me. You see, from creation to the cross, even at the cost of becoming one of us, God needed humans to pray in order for him to act. You see, from faithful men and women, prophets, judges, all the way to the human Messiah, we see a sovereign God that says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, what? Then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. You see, God is all sovereign, but there's another side of the coin. He is a God who actually chooses to engage us in the work that he's doing, and he uses and works through our prayers to act. We were taught last week the Lord's Prayer. Ask, Jesus said, for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. Ask for bread. Ask for deliverance. Ask for wisdom, it says in James. Ask for laborers to the harvest if my people will humble themselves and pray. So here's the question. God's sovereign. He chooses to limit himself. He invites me in to join him in his purposes. He needs me to pray. Well, what if I don't pray? What if I don't pray? Does it change anything? Like God, maybe just God does it without me. Well, listen to what Ezekiel says. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap. That is, that is the role of praying. Stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. I looked, he said, I looked for someone to stand in the gap. I looked for someone to pray so I wouldn't have to destroy it and I found no one. If you do not pray, God cannot act. Did you hear what I said? If you believe in the sovereignty of God, but you do not understand that that sovereign God has chosen you to be engaged in the work that he is doing, and you become passive in your prayer life, you will be like the person that goes through life and you have nothing because you ask for nothing. Because you are actually not participating in the work of God. Here is the God's response to Hezekiah's prayer. Verse 35, he, the Lord says, the king of Assyria, will not enter this city, says the Lord. Why will he not enter this city? For my honor and for the sake of my servant David. I will defend this city and I will protect it. Do you hear it? For my name's sake, for my glory, for my honor, and also For the sake of my servant David, the Lord said, I'm going to defend it. Well, that night, here's what God did. The angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp that was waiting to destroy them, and he killed 185,000 soldiers one night. The next morning, they found corpses everywhere. You see, the king of Assyria, he broke camp and returned to his own land, and I say, with his tails between his legs, and he stayed there. You see, we have a great God that when we enter into his throne and it says, for your name's sake, you make yourself great, God. You make yourself famous. For your name's sake, God will defeat the enemy. God, You will pray when you realize how powerful your prayers are. What would your battles look like in our life? What would our church look like? What would our region look like if we took seriously the power of prayer? If we actually stood up and believed in the power of prayer? If we engaged in the calling and the anointing and the appointing of being a priest and interceding on behalf of people just as Jesus does for us? If we were to call on the heaven's armies rather than live your life as if your loved ones, your neighbors, your friends... Our church, our region are defeated already. Would people actually take notice? What would they say about your God? Your situation may not change immediately, but you will be praying and expecting God-sized intervention. You see, in a journey of our life, as I've shared before, as we prayed for seven, eight years for our children to return to Jesus, it wasn't as much about the outcome. We believed it would happen. Our faith became greater. But why did our faith and our trust in Christ become greater? Through the process of praying. You see, prayer changed me. That journey of prayer changed me and my husband. We started joining God in the work that he was doing without any control or seeing the outcome. As I learned to pray as I learned to understand that if I wanted to see transformation in my own life and in my family's life, that I needed to get on my face, strength actually came to me, perspective came to me, hope came to me, and the circumstances around me actually hadn't changed at all. But I was being transformed. You see, when you practice intercessory prayer, you're transformed. It changes you. Do you ever feel, maybe some of you are like, you get this, you get this, you've been praying for years, but you are still waiting on the God of heaven's armies to do that great work, to do that great intervention, and maybe you feel like he's never going to act. Let me share a story with you from the book of Daniel. We know from Daniel that he was a man of prayer, a man of prayer, and he was praying and praying for his people. And while he was praying, a heavenly being appeared to him. Some think it was Christ, others think it was an angel, but either case, he was given a glimpse of the battle between good and evil and supernatural powers. And listen to what happens. This, this uh, angel came and said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request was heard in heaven. Did you hear it from the first day, Daniel? From the first day. Your request was heard. Can I just say that to somebody here that the first day you started praying about whatever you're praying for, he's heard it. For the first day. He's heard it. You walked into the throne room, you've laid it out, he's heard it. But listen to what happened. The angel went on to say, not only has he heard it, but... What you need, what you prayed for, Daniel. You prayed for understanding. Notice, pray for under the first day you began to pray for what? For understanding. The NIV says to set your mind on understanding. You see, when you pray, you gain your understanding as to what the will of God is. When you pray, you learn to ab- ab- You learn to understand God's perspective on the matter that you're bringing to Him. And and uh, John says, and I will do whatever you ask. In my name, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. In my name essentially means in alignment with the will of God. Daniel was seeking and praying in a way that he wanted to be aligned with whatever your will is, God, whatever your will is. The practice of intercessory prayer takes you there. Do you want to understand the will of God? You practice intercessory prayer because it transforms you when you intercede. As you abide in God's presence, as you intercede, as you wait, as you listen, he renews your mind and he aligns your heart actually with his purposes. Here's the other way that Daniel prayed. He also prayed with humility, Whatever you want, Lord. How often are our prayers focused on our own needs, our own timing? Why me? Why now? Just take the pain away. But humility says, here's my request. Whatever you want. When we pray in humility, we're not only aligning ourselves with God's will, we're submitting to God's will. We, We want freedom. We want healing, but we have to let go, and we have to... Allow God to do it in his way. We must submit to Jesus. The heavenly being went on to say in this story, I have come in answer to your prayer. But listen to what's been happening, Daniel. Not only have we heard your request from the first day, but for 21 days the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me and I left him there with the spirit spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And now I'm here. It's like, Daniel, you don't understand. We heard you. But for 21 days, we've been battling in the heavenlies. I just gave my post over to Michael. I've come down here to tell you there's a war going on in heaven because you're praying. Okay, got to go now. Back to the battle. You know, I mean, this is seriously what's happening. Daniel didn't know that his request had been heard right away. He had no idea the battle that was going on in heaven can you imagine the battles that are going on in heaven because of your requests i mean if we understood that the that the releasing of heaven's army happens at our beck and call when jesus says go they go you know for 21 days they were fighting could there be a battle taking place in the heavenlies on our behalf i would say yes there is a raging battle going on in light of our church Are calling for revival, people, we are seriously interceding and need to continue interceding because Jesus is saying, go, go, go at his beck and call. He's the one that's doing the battling, but without us, remember, he needs you to pray. Coming to the realization that there's a bigger story going on, a bigger battle going on, do you understand what happens in the heavens when you pray? Another illustration that really, really helped me is found in Revelation 5, and John referred to it last week, of the prayer bowls. Now listen to Revelation 5, verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, having each one a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. Revelation chapter 8 says, And another angel came, and he stood at the altar holding out a golden censer, and much incense was given to him. What is the incense? The prayers of the saints. Much incense was given to him that he might add it, to the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Do you see the bowl? Do you see the prayer bowl before the altar? How precious our prayers must be to God. What a beautiful scent they are. And, And in some miraculous way as we pray, we are filling these bowls. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, And he filled it with the fire of the altar, and he threw it to the earth, and there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Now, from Dutch Sheet's book, Intercessory Prayer, he says this. According to these verses, either when he knows it's the right time to do something, or when enough prayer has accumulated to get the job done, he releases power he takes the bowl and he mixes it with fire from the altar at some point did god say go get the hartshorn bowl light that baby we're going to pour it out over the earth is he grabbing your bowl this very day your family's bowl is is there a bowl up there that says c4 how full is our prayer bowl is he ready today, tomorrow? I mean, I believe he's already lit it. I believe it is pouring out now. I believe there is, he desires more and more prayers for our prayer bowl and more and more fire from heaven in his time or when he says that prayer bowl is pouring over. It's time to release it. Either way, what a helpful, helpful image to know how precious our prayers are to God. Here's Daniel's response. How can someone like me, your servant, even talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. And then it says, so beautiful. Listen, when you go into the throne room of God, I mean, really, what do we have to say? But this is what God says to us. Then the one who looked like a man, he touched me again. I felt my strength return. He said, don't be afraid. He said, you are very precious. To me. You are very precious to me. Peace. Be encouraged. Be strong. As he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and I said to him, Please, like, speak to me again, Lord, for you have strengthened me. You see, dear child of God, God loves you. He is you. You are precious to him. He delights in answering your prayers. Three times the angel said to Daniel in this passage, you are highly esteemed, it says in the NIV. In the New Living it says you are precious. Could it be God is saying to you, you are highly esteemed. I'm going to allow the situation in your life for a time. You keep trusting me and in the right time, I'm going to light that bowl on fire. You see, you are highly esteemed. The key to not losing hope, the key to enduring, to not giving up, to not being prayerless, to not being powerless, to, to wane behind in our praying, praying for our church and our region on behalf of the people we love, the key to it is to know that you are loved, that you are worthy, that he invites you into his throne room, That he cannot do a work in your life and in our life without us joining with him on it. He is the lover of your soul. Are you in the 21 days? Maybe you're in 21 weeks. Maybe it's 21 years. Do you know that the Lord of Heaven's army says you are highly esteemed? You are precious. Greg Rochelle says this. We do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. First John 4 4 says, You dear children are from God and you have overcome them. That is the evil spirits. Intercession is spiritual warfare. When you engage in battle, you pray. If we think we are fighting for victory, we're actually fighting from a place where we're defeated already. You see, victory was won on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is finished. The the victory is ours already. This will disarm you if you think that you're actually coming to pray to gain victory. No army goes into war thinking that they are defeated already. Why would we? Why would we believe the enemy's lies? You see, the battle is the Lord's. You must choose to believe that your battle, that your family, that your loved ones, that you're going to strap behind you and you're going to take into the throne room of mercy and of grace, that the victory is already won, that you will release and, and invite the will of God into your lives and the lives of others, that you will call out to him and for him to act on behalf of who? Of his great name, And because of his great love for you, he will battle for you. Submit and humble yourself before him. If, if, if my people who are called by my name, if my people will humble themselves and they will pray, what does he say? I will hear you. I hear you from heaven, from the very first day. I will heal your land. I will heal your marriage. I will heal your families. I will heal this church. I will heal this region. I will heal the country of Canada. I love to heal. If my people will pray, prayer of intercession is the releasing of heaven's armies on your behalf what or whom are you praying to? Do you need to repent today of your prayerlessness? Because if you are not praying, then you are not participating in the work of God. You cannot expect God to do miraculous things in your life if you passively sit back and you expect somehow other people to pray for you. You just sit back and you wonder why God doesn't do anything for you. You get on your knees You enter that throne room. You lay before him on the altar, the very thing, the very heart and desire you have. And you know what? If it's not in perfect alignment, he takes care of it. He makes it in alignment. He'll change you. He will transform you when you practice intercession. You will have a fresh view of God like you have never had before. In spite of your circumstances, he will increase your love for others. He will give you the passion to pray for lost souls. He will give you the passion to pray for people that you don't even know. He will give you passion to pray for your coworkers, for your neighbors, for your friends, because you're motivated by love. You are motivated by love. Will you stand with me as we pray together? Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, forgive us for our prayerlessness. We thank you that you are our great intercessor, that you hear our prayers and you go to the Father on our behalf. Thank you that you invite us to join you in this battle and that in response to our feeble prayers, Lord Jesus, you purify them, you cleanse them, you take the fire from heaven and you light it in your timing and your way and you pour it out over the earth. We invite your kingdom to come. We invite your will to be done in our lives, in our church, in our region. Give us an increased love and a burden for others so that we will pray. Remove prayerlessness from us, Lord Jesus. May we be a people of prayer and may people know that your name is great. In Jesus' name, amen.